morning we're talking about something a little bit different. We're talking about St. Anthony, also could be called St. Anthony. There are lots of St. Anthonys in history. You've got St. Anthony of Padua. You've got several others. This is called St. Anthony of the Desert. He's a desert father among church historian language. So with that, I need to change the introduction from Gandhi in the lesson because Greg Stay sent me an email, and Greg is not a Gandhi fan. And uh, I, I will not uh, 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 talk about Gandhi this morning, though it's in the written lesson because it had already gone to print before I researched to see whether or not Greg's right on some of the Gandhi issues he sent me. So with that caveat, I'm shifting instead to those, the coolest shoes that have ever been made. I bought my first pair in eighth grade called Desert Boots. Now, those of you who are young, eighth grade for me was a long time ago. I mean, I'm not as old as my older sister, but I am, <laughs> I'm older than mom. She's 29 or so she says, but uh, 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 I will tell you, back in the early to mid 70s, this was the shoe to wear, desert boots. They are so comfortable. Mike, where's Mike? Can I have a witness on this? Okay. Mike still got his from eighth grade and still wears them periodically. Has said he'd get a new pair, but they go for 200 bucks and he just refuses. He paid $12 for his in eighth grade. They don't ever go out of style, those desert boots. And we're going to talk about the Desert Fathers, but they're not called the Desert Fathers because of their boots. Are they called the Desert Fathers because of what they were eating? Anybody ever eat a hermit crab? Okay, well that's not it either. But it's a little bit closer to why they're called the Desert Fathers. They're called the Desert Fathers because of this marvelous Greek word, heremos. Heremos. Which means desert or wilderness. Now, some of you are going to be getting ready for the Greek we're doing this fall. I've already written the first lesson. I am so stoked you're going to have a ball with it. Okay. Sandy's 90% done with our bookmark with the Greek letters. Let me tell you what you're going to see. See that Greek E has got those marks over it. The mark that looks like a drunken comma because it's up above instead of down below and it's backwards. That's called rough breathing. <clears throat> That's a like your mouth is open. And you breathe out that open mouth. Ha! That's the H sound for Greek, because Greek doesn't have a letter H. So you put that above a vowel, and it means ha. And if you don't want to go ha in front of that vowel, you just turn it backwards. Then it's a closed mouth, and you don't have an H sound. You just have a vowel. So that's why it's H-E, and the P is just there R. You'll learn that letter. That goofy N with a tail is a long E. An Ada. So that's Heremos, M-O-S. And it means wilderness. 
It means desert. We get a word from it. The word we get is hermit. No, not hermit, the frog. That's Kermit. It's hermit. We get the word hermit from it, which originally is someone who lives in the desert. So if you figured that out, you just won the game. Bingo. That's it. The Desert Fathers. So let's talk about the Desert Fathers, the early Christian hermits in Egypt that lived in the wilderness and the desert. Specifically, I want to talk about one named St. Anthony. St. Anthony, you could add the H sound. Remember, it could be St. Anthony. But St. Anthony was born around 251. Again, they didn't keep track of birthdays back then. That's one reason we don't know the birth of Jesus. They, that just wasn't done. In fact, some people considered it evil to mark someone's birth because you would mark their death. And it's like a bad omen to mark their birth. So we know when he died. He died 356. We think he was born around 251 because the evidence seems to indicate from his biographers he was about 105 when he died. You want to live to be 105? Not if it costs you what it cost him. We'll talk about what he did in a moment. St. Anthony was born, and if you remember our flow of history, by the way, his biography was written by Athanasius, one of the fellows we studied last week, who was constantly being kicked out as the bishop of Egypt, remember? He was getting kicked out all the time because he wouldn't uh, become an Arian. And the emperor got all upset with him, so they'd kick him out. He'd go out and hang when he was kicked out with St. Anthony in the desert. He wrote the biography of him, performed his uh, funeral. Anyway, Anthony is brought up in a good Christian home. He's got a good Christian family. His mom and dad are believers in the Lord, fairly successful, had some money. Fairly well-to-do in Egypt. And so he grows up in this home, but when he's about 18 years old, crisis hits. Both of his parents die, leaving Antony and his younger sister. Now, Antony had always been a devoted family guy. He was never the kid that was out at school doing all of the stuff with his buddies. He always liked to stay back at home. He was very close and very tight with his family. So when his mom and dad died, it was a massive blow to him. And part of what he did to respond to that blow was to go to church all of the time. And about six months after the death of his family, he was walking to church. And he was thinking about how the apostles had left everything to follow Jesus. And their level of devotion. Then when he got to church, the scripture for the morning was from Matthew 9, verse 21. So here you've got this young boy whose parents are dead. He's trying to take care of his little sister. He's got um, uh, uh, this, you know, he he doesn't have a big social circle already. And he's got this uh, um, 
desire to serve the Lord. He's a, he's a true believer. And let's look at Matthew 9.21. He's thinking about this as he goes. And he finds I've got uh, 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 the wrong passage cited here. So let's just pretend this didn't work. See, I'm going to have to hand it to myself. 19, that sounds better. 1921. I thought I had the 21 right. Thank you for whoever's paying better attention than I was when I did this this morning. Yes. Here's the story of the rich young ruler. So the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, do you know what's good? And he says, well, I've already done everything that's good. And Jesus says, well, then go sell. What do I lack? Jesus says, verse 21, if you want to be perfect, complete, mature, all of that means the same word. Teleos means mature, ripe. If you want to be perfect, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. And that just really seemed to be a word from God specifically into his life. Now, he had a lot because when his parents died, he inherited everything. And so he has, he has land, he's got money, and he's faced with this scripture. And he's got to figure out what to do. So you've got to applaud the young boy's sensitivity. He goes out and he sells the land and he sells almost everything he's got and he gives it to the poor except for some measure that he gives in care of the church and some others to take care of his sister because he didn't want to lose that responsibility. And then he's trying to figure out what to do. He kept for himself the bare minimum to live by. Until a few months later, he's going to church. And a few months later, the passage is Matthew 6.34. Matthew 6.34 says, Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Look at verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And within the framework of the passage, Jesus says, don't, you know, don't worry about these things. Think about the birds of the field and the lilies of the field. The birds of the air and the lilies of the field, they don't work, they don't toil, they don't spin for their clothes. And yet nothing, Solomon in all his glory, was not dressed so finely. And so Jesus is saying this to his apostles. St. Anthony hears this and he says, Heavens, I kept the bare necessities so that I could live. I don't even need those. I need to live by faith and I need to give those things away. And he gave away everything else. Now, at this point, he's got nothing. So he goes out into the desert, into the wilderness, 
where there are some other hermits that have started living out there. And he starts trying to learn from them how to live. Simply and faithfully to Jesus. Here's something he says. He goes and he looks at the different fathers to try and learn what he can. So from one, he'll learn this. From another, he'll learn that. And from another, he learned the earnestness. Well, let's see. He observed the graciousness of one, the earnestness at prayer of another, studied the even temper of one and kind heartedness of another. He fixed his attention on the vigils. A vigil, uh, a vigil is when you stay up all night in prayer and devotion to a cause for God. It's like fasting from sleep, if you will. Fixed his attention on the vigils kept by one and on the studies pursued by another. Admired another for his patient endurance, another for his fasting and sleeping on the ground. Watched closely this man's meekness and the patience shown by another. And in one and all alike, he marked especially devotion and the love they had for one another. Having thus taken his fill, he would return to his own place of asceticism. So he would go watch these others live this um, very plain, simple life that eschews or, or disregards anything of... of pleasure, and he lived that way and tried to learn these traits. It's an amazing thing. He started working really hard on committing scripture to memory, something many of you in this class are doing. He worked really hard trying to commit scripture to memory. Now, you got to figure the guy's just living out in the wilderness. And so he's working really hard on this. And different scriptures really stuck into his mind. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 is one. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 is a passage where Paul writes, he says the following. We have There we go. Even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. So here is St. Anthony, and St. Anthony recognizes that he's got to be doing some work or he won't get to eat. So he would find chores that he could do, but all he would want in payment was, was food. And not food to store up though he would at times store up food, he would take these six-month breaks where he would just go be by himself totally in the desert for six months. And he'd take six months' bread with him so that nobody would have to bring him food. And he could stay there all by himself for six months. Another passage that he looked at was 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And he had memorized this one, and this one meant a lot to him. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. You know this passage, you just don't realize it. Let's see. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And so all day, every day, he took it as his responsibility 
to be in prayer about everything he could be in prayer about. So if we go back to the uh, uh, PowerPoint, please. These scriptures he memorizes, but he doesn't just memorize them to have scripture. He memorizes them to change his life. And this fella, I mean, he reads it and he does it. He's got a very simple life of obedience. Now, in the midst of this, there was demonic warfare that set in. And it's fascinating to read the account of his life. Because um, the, the, the demonic warfare takes on a huge part of, of the, the biography that Athanasius wrote. The demons would come, and there were the customary tactics that the demons always seemed to employ. Hey, want some money? That's the last thing in the world he wanted. He'd been given his way. He would consider it a demonic temptation if he's walking down the road and he sees someone drop some money. And he'd say, that's a demon tempting me to pick up that money. And he would say, get away from me. Fame. Another customary tactic of the demons. Now, I want you to think about this. Just take a time out for a moment and let's put this into perspective. Because to me, this is really cool. We live 1,800 years later. We live 1,800 years later. We've made it through the dark ages. We've made it through the scientific and industrial revolutions. The age of rationalism. We've explored this world. We've gone to the moon. We've sent craft to Mars. Aliens have landed at Roswell. We've had all of these experiences. That was for you, Mom. We've had all of these experiences. And the demonic temptations could read just as current today. Hey, trade in your convictions for some money. Hey, trade in your convictions for some fame. Want to be famous? Want people to know who you are? Here's your shot. How about this one? He talked about the myriad pleasures of eating and that that was a temptation of Satan. That was a demonic temptation. I got to tell you, those are all contemporary temptations. The tools are still there. Now, how did he fight these temptations? He fought them and vanquished them through prayer And faith. The temptation would come. And when he was tempted. He would begin to pray. And he would pray. Trusting in God. To see him through. Was he ever. Without failure. Of course not. He was human. But that's also where faith plays a role. Knowing that forgiveness is there as well. 
And so through prayer, he worked really hard to overcome these customary tactics. And you would think once he did so that Satan fled, but he didn't. As Athanasius wrote it up, Satan then shifted to overdrive. Now that's my translation, not theirs. But I mean, he just shifted gears and pressed even harder. It was then that Satan started to attack him through filthy thoughts and insight to lust. We live in an age, and I started to say young people, my young people are over here and they're over here. I started to say, young people, this is really important for you. But I got news. It's important for everybody. There is an enemy that wants to get at you. And he's going to try all of the tools in his bag. And he's going to try and get you with the desires of your heart. If it's fame, if it's wealth, if it's the pleasures of your body and food. Or he'll try to get you in the desires of your mind. Because he knows once he gets you on the hook, that's when he can start reeling you out of the waters of faith. When he can start getting his hooks in you and 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 get you sufficiently bitten down on his desires that he's implanted into your minds and your hearts. That thing that just seems to consume you such that you will set aside what we know is right. Then what our mind starts to do is it starts to distort what we know is right. And we start thinking, well, you know, that's, I don't know why I used to think that. Because the mind will rationalize to give you what you want. That's why God doesn't just say, hey, just follow your heart. He says, here's something objective that we all need. So anyway, so the filthy thoughts, the incite to lust. And how does... St. Anthony overcome this through faith, through prayer, through fasting. He said there's something about taking control of your body that helps you take control of your mind. And through song. He would sing the Lord's songs in the face of temptation. There's an old imperial song. Y'all, does anybody in here even remember who the imperials were? Beverly, I love you. All right, Max. The imperials had this song, Praise the Lord. That song is one that a college buddy and I decided should be our theme song for when temptations came our way. When you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes. 
and you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears, don't let the faith you're standing on seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you they fall helplessly behind you when you praise him. Second verse, Satan is a liar and he wants to make us think that we're paupers when he knows himself we're children of the king. So lift up the mighty shield of faith for the battle must be won. You know that Jesus Christ is risen. So the work is already done. It's great stuff. You need those songs in your life. You need the Psalms in your life. He would sing Psalm 27, 3. Psalm 27, 3. Look at this Psalm. Though an army encamp against me, a demonic army, doesn't matter. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. He would sing Psalm 68. When he's tempted, God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered. And those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exult before him. He settles the solitary in a home. He leads out prisoners to prosperity. The rebellious dwell in a parched land. Oh Lord, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens poured down rain before God. He goes on and on and on. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation. To God the Lord belongs deliverances from death. And this is a tremendous thing. This is a tool in his tool belt. And it's one you and I have as well. And so if we go back to the PowerPoint. He sings these songs. He prays. And in that way, he overcomes the demonic warfare. When he did, the victory was never one of, look how I did this. The victory was always one. He says, thus all who fight and earn in earnest can say, not I, but the grace of God with me. He gave the credit to God for his victories. Now, I want to shift and, and, and tell you that his, his wilderness experience was a little bit different than camping in Sam Houston National Park. The hyenas 
in that area were a huge problem. Hyenas get to be well over a hundred pounds. They're not natively, at least, Disney characters. Hyenas are vicious. They, they hunt in packs. They take down zebras. They take down humans. And there would be times where he's all by himself. He doesn't have weapons. He has nothing. And Athanasius would write about when the hyenas were around him. This was his attitude with the hyenas. This is what he would say to them. If you, hyenas, have received the power to do this against me, if God has given you this power, if God has allowed you to devour me, and you have that power, then I'm ready. Because if God gave it to you, I know it's for my best. Bring it on. But if you've been sent out by demons, then get out without delay. I'm Christ's servant. You have no, you have no hold over me. You can't touch me. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I don't know what hyenas you got in your life. But I'm a lawyer. I live amongst the hyenas. And I got to tell you, if God has given you this power over me and my life and my circumstances, then I have the grace I need to walk through it. And I know it's for the best. And I'm ready. Let it happen. But if you are sent by Satan, then get out. You've got no power over me. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like that. Okay. Now, let's move. Uh, 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 well, before we move, I, he had an advantage we don't have. Okay. I mean, this is Mark Lanier talking for a moment. Seriously, what can Satan do to him? Okay. I mean, he doesn't have any money. He's, it's not like, I'm going to send economic ruin your way. He's already ruined. He gave everything away. Doesn't have a home. We're going to take your home. Doesn't have a job. We're going to take your job. His little sister is a nun. He doesn't have any family. He's given everything away. All he's got is his devotion to the Lord. And his physical life. But the physical life of his friends. The physical life of his sister. Are all ones where when they die. They go meet the Lord. So what's. I, all that Satan can do. Is try to mess with his mind. And that's what he's guarding. It's pretty cool stuff. Okay. Food. Food. You know, man cannot live by bread alone. He had bread and water and salt. And that's basically all he ate. He, he would not eat the pleasures of meat. He would not drink wine. No food for pleasure. Only the minimum food needed for sustenance. Because he was not living for himself. He would sleep sometimes on mats made of reeds, but generally on the ground. This was his reason. First or Second Corinthians 12.10. When I am weak, then I am strong. 
So he wanted weakness in his life so that he was reliant fully upon Jesus. He wasn't trying to make his life comfortable, cushy, or marvelous. He said the following, The soul's energy thrives when the body's desires are feeblest. And that's what he wanted. So that's what he was. Now, what kind of social interaction does a guy like this have? It's interesting. He'd go through long periods with none. But then he'd go through these periods when Athanasius would come hang out with him because he was, you know, being kicked out of Egypt or whatever. Or others would come. Lots of people would come and ask him for prayer. Lots of people would come and ask him for, for wisdom, for counsel, for advice. And so he would wind up having some social interaction. Other hermits would come learn from him how to be a hermit. And he would teach them. Found this rare internet shot of him teaching. He used a whiteboard. One of the things he would teach them is that the scriptures are really sufficient for our instruction. Everything you really need to know about living your life right before God, you can learn through Scripture. So spend time in the Scripture. Another thing he would teach them, which admittedly overran the whiteboard, was start all over each day, work to increase your zeal from what it had been the day before. Let me translate this for you. Each morning when you wake up, Say, today, I'm going to be a little bit better in my walk with the Lord than I was yesterday. Um, baby Steps is the, the What About Bob movie. Baby Steps, Baby Steps. Remember that? Each day, I'm going to work today to increase my zeal from what it was yesterday. I want to be even better than I was. Purer in mind. Pure indeed. Each day. Another thing he would teach people. He would pound it in their head. Remember Romans 8.18. Remember it. Don't forget it. Romans 8.18. This is not a hard one to memorize. You need to look at it. Here we go. Romans 8.18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. Here's what he was saying, and he, and he put it in these words as well. He said, the, if you gave me the entire world and all that it has, it's not a drop in the bucket compared to the eternal riches that God has supplied us in Christ Jesus and what he holds for us in eternity. Why would I spend my time and energy trying to get the things of this world when I could spend my time and energy trying to become like Jesus? Pretty inspirational guy. The whole world is a very trifling thing compared to all of heaven. Now, when I told you people sought stuff from him, Emperor Constantine, ruler of the Roman world, wrote Antony of the desert and asked for advice and counsel. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's like moving from, let's see, 
Where do we have wilderness? No, not Lubbock. That's an oasis in the wilderness. Uh, maybe something right outside of Lubbock, like uh, Plainview, huh? Death Valley. Yeah, Plainview, Death Valley, same thing. Um, and some guy just moves out there to get away from it all and to be devoted to the Lord. And the President of the United States writes him a letter and says, what do you think I ought to do? And everybody was amazed. Oh, the President wrote you a letter. You're big time. That's big time. Here was his response. You must not be surprised if an emperor writes to us. He's a man. You should rather be surprised that God has written the law for mankind and has spoken to us through his own son. If President Barack Obama were to walk through those doors, now many of you, I suspect, are not Democrats. But even the Republicans might be very impressed if Barack Obama were to walk through the door and just to sit down and say, I really want to be blessed by this class. I need to learn from the Lord, and I'm here to learn. Sits right there by Sandy. Chest mover coffee cup. Secret service doesn't need to come in. We got John Clinton right here. He can whoop anybody who needs to be whipped. Even after your knee surgery. <laughs> so, so I mean, we'd be the talk. It would be the talk. You would all... President Obama came to our church today. Can you believe that? And St. Anthony's reply would be, hey, he's just a guy. The Holy Spirit was at your church today. That's what you ought to be telling everybody. You ought to be saying, God came to our church today. It's a huge deal. Obama, Constantine, they're just guys with a different job. But God is God. It's an amazing deal. All right, so what's our fruit for home? What can we learn from listening to this fellow? By the way, when he died, it's really cool how he died. He basically said, you know, anybody who wants to, come watch the way a godly person needs to die. And he dies with a smile on his face. Says, don't bury me where anybody knows where I am because this is not about me. You hide me. I don't want anybody worshiping me. He says, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm headed to the Lord. And he was so excited. By the way, clothing, he just wore the same thing every day, except he had this one outfit, his Easter clothes, that were the outfits of another. Um, hermit. <laughs> so they, they were like rags. But but out of honor for that other hermit, he'd wear it like twice a year. All right. Here are our passages for our fruit for home. First, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, what you eat, what you wear, they'll all be given to you as well. Now, I don't know whether any of us are being called to the life of St. Anthony. Um, but I do know this that all of us are being told to put our focus and our priority first on the kingdom of God, whatever that means. That's top priority. That gets top billing. It's not what we're eating. It's not what we're wearing. It's not who we know. It's not our money. It's not our fame. 
And if any of that is your top priority or is out of line in the way you pursue it, it is what, my little sister? An idol. Holly gives a great speech on this if you ever want to hear it. That's idolatry. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of the rest is going to be taken care of. And if you've got concerns about all the rest of that, and don't get me wrong, not all of us have St. Anthony's life. We have five children, two of whom we still need to see that they eat and get educated. I have a wife that Pastor Stephen explained to me, I'm to serve the way Christ served the church. I need to make sure my wife's needs are taken care of. I have responsibilities because God's put me as the owner of a law firm. We've got 150 some odd people that expect to be paid regularly. So there are responsibilities, but don't ever let the tail wag the dog. We are to seek first his kingdom. And if those other responsibilities are not in alignment with his kingdom first, then it is time to make some changes. This is real. This is the life of faith. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Look the hyena in the fang and say, if God has given you this power over me, take it. But if you're not from God and you're from Satan, then get behind me because I am a servant of the king. And walk in that faith. Live with those psalms that talk about the victory we have in God. Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war, who causes me to walk in righteousness. Memorize these psalms. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. I mean, if God is for us, who can be against us? These passages of Scripture need to be so in your mind that they are in your heart, that they're the language you speak. And last, Hebrews 12, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I like that. And I'm going to try and do more and more of it each day. I'm going, to st- I'm, I'm, I'm going to start looking for those things that hinder. And I'm going to start throwing them away. I'm not going to live in the moment. I'm not going to live enslaved to what Satan has put into my life. And, I, and it may be too big of a mountain for me to climb right now. But if I take a scoop of dirt out of it today, then it won't be so big tomorrow. And I'll take another scoop tomorrow, and I'll take another scoop the next day, and I'll take another scoop the next day, because I'm going to work each day at becoming more like the Lord Jesus. That's what I want to do. I applaud you if you're memorizing Scripture. Keep it up. 
Meanwhile, can I pray a prayer of blessing over you before we all go enjoy the rockets? And Lord, we do take joy. But Father, we've got to pause right now and, and, and fall humbly to our spiritual needs, if not physical needs. And acknowledge that you have blessed us with so many incredible blessings. We live in a country that in spite of all of its problems gives us a liberty and a freedom before you that few in this world enjoy. But Father, with and we live in a country with, with physical blessings that overflow. But Father, we know to whom much is given, much is expected. And so my prayer for my friends and for me and my family is that we will measure your blessings as opportunities to give, to serve, to minister. I applaud the public servants that worship you and ask you to bless them in their public service. I applaud the people in this class who spend their time because they want to learn of you and pray that you would reward that time. Father, we want to serve you. May we seek first your kingdom and service of you and just leave the rest to you. I pray against the hyenas that are out there that are attacking my brothers and sisters in this class. And I ask for your protection. I ask for you to guidance. I ask for you to put scripture in their minds and songs in their hearts and lead them through the victory that is theirs in Jesus. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.